Hello, listeners. Here we go. Yeah. Welcome to Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. Did I slur? I haven't. Not been. yet. It's <laughs> early yet. Welcome to Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. This is a podcast about horror movies. We talk about old ones and new ones, and um, um, we spoil them. I think that's all we need to say, right? Yes. Yeah, we're going to ruin the ending of this. So if you have not seen Green Room 2015, um, we're going to spoil the ending Mm -hmm. and things along the way. Thank you to the Moonrays for giving us that song that led into this part here. It's called Intro Creature Features. You can find them on iTunes or Amazon. Um, If you want to just converse with them, find them on uh, Facebook. They are the Moon-Rays. Uh, no. Last night I saw a, a movie called Medium Call from 1969, yeah. and the uh, the main theme of that they used a, uh, an instrumental by Love, hmm. and it's a really cool kind of laid back surf thing. I thought, oh, I can hear the Moonrays doing a cover of that. Oh, that sounds cool. Hopefully, I'll get to see them. I'm going to be in Chicago in September. Maybe I'll see if I can go to one of their shows. Oh, or something. they're in Chicago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Medium Cool's um, set in Chicago. Oh, interesting. It's uh, it's this kind of docudrama set around the uh, Democratic Convention. Of 68? Of 68. 68. Oh, yeah. man. So the... Uh, that got crazy. Yeah, it's, it's a Haskell Wexler film, and uh, it's Robert Forster. He plays this cameraman, this news cameraman. And uh, Haskell Wexler, he, um, he knew there was going to be trouble. So he planned to shoot around the convention, knowing oh. that there'd be a riot. So that, like, oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. So it, you know, lots of it's actual, just shot on the spot and improvised, and then then there's all this like fictional stuff worked into it. Neat. But yeah, it's cool to see like Chicago in '68. Oh yeah, different world. And the cops weren't wearing a whole lot of armor. <laughs> they they just had those little gumball looking helmets. There's an early scene where they're uh, goes out to this like army base or something, and they're training for crowd control, and they've got all these like jeeps with like these these kind of fences made of barbed wire mounted on the front, and oh, like wow. yeah, well, the police with the, these gas guns and things like that, and then there's a whole bunch of other police in like wigs and things pretending to be angry hippies. <laughs> That's always fun. Yeah. I watched um, Straight Outta Compton, and there's a part where uh, the LAPD is going to force their way into a place where they have a warrant, and they use this tank-looking device with a battering ram on the front. Mm -hmm. Uh And they've got this kind of silly, smiley face painted on the battering ram end. It was kind of funny. Yeah. wasn't funny how dangerous everything looked, but there was a little moment of levity in there. (laughs) 
that's a good place to jump off. What, uh, what have you watched since we did this last? Will, anything? Uh, it, the terror from oh. outer space or whatever, the original alien. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that the big shaggy mop vegetable looking one? He's kind of reptilian no. looking. He's a, yeah, big bulky reptilian looking space vampire from the moon. No, Mars. Mars. Yeah. Mars. Everybody was scared of Mars back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do I know you're not the Martian? <laughs> it was good. Yeah. So, um, what year was it? Um, Early 50s? 57? Late 50s, yeah. 57, 57 58, 58, somewhere yeah. in there. Any um, any good, like, silly moments of, uh, of uh, bad writing? No, bad no. Acting? I mean, it's limited by our, you know, movie-making technology. Our Here standards. in the future, <laughs> our standards are higher, but um, it's basically Alien, yeah. or Alien is basically it. Yeah. It's a haunted house movie in space. <laughs> um, the characters were pretty well written. They they go up against it with a torch. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, I, yeah. I recommend it. It was mm-hmm. good. I enjoyed it. It was not a hokey sort of 50s movie. I mean, it's kind of hokey because... It's obviously a guy in a rubber suit, and the spaceships have, like, desk and rolling desk chairs, you know. Oh, nice. Nothing nothing is very spacey, and that they end up in the attic of the spaceship. Mm. Oh, yeah, the, the attic. <laughs> the, uh, the suit is made by uh, Paul Blaisdell, okay. and he he was going to wear it. He's, he's kind of a wiry fellow, mm. and, uh, but they... They had this stuntman named Ray Crash Corrigan where oh, okay. he, he plays like he does lots of stunts and plays apes and things like that. Yeah. And uh, but he was he was much too big, so his kind of chin sticks out. It distorts the face the of the face? monster. Yeah. Okay. But, I yeah. liked it a lot. I thought it was mm-hmm. a good film. Yeah. Hmm. Anything else besides that? Um. No, that's it. Hmm. Julian, how about you? Uh, I saw uh, a really good uh, Chinese movie called uh, Monk Comes Down the Mountain from uh, last year. Uh, really painterly use of uh, CG. Uh, it's not really a fight film. There's some good fights in it, but it's really there's a lot of wire work and computer effects. Uh, and they obviously can, you know, they're, they're athletic bunch of people. What uh, is this called? Performing. Monk Comes Down the Mountain. It's about this... Uh, Monk? Yeah, he's this young guy. Is there a mountain involved? Yes. Or should we not spoil it? And he, he comes down <laughs> Which it. direction on the mountain is he traveling? <laughs> he, it starts off with like uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the elder, elderly monk uh, gets them to fight each other t- to see who the best monk is. And then and he wins this fight and he goes, yeah, you know, what was my reward? And he said, well, we're throwing you out because <laughs> you're obviously the most capable one of... You know, okay going out into the world so he, he goes down the mountain and he's never been out before it and it's like circa 1930 okay uh china and um uh it's directed by the uh, chen Gay who did um yellow earth and farewell my concubine uh oh. he does a good job and it's got aaron Kwok in it uh he's like this really handsome uh he's, he's known for like his pop music and stuff but he's a good actor as well and it's about this, the, the, so this monk, he goes through various masters and, and uh, learns various things. And 
uh, yeah, it was, it was a good film. And I saw uh, The Innkeepers, which is a horror film. Have you heard of that one? No. I've it's heard of this one. From 2011. Uh, the director is Ty West, who did uh, The House of the Devil, 2009. Right. You've seen that one? I've not yet. That was really good, and, and it's got... It, he's into this kind of building up this slow burn and establishing, like, it's a real world, mm-hmm. you know, real characters and things. And then, so when the scary stuff comes in it, it really works oh uh, nice. so that like a house of the devil's set in the 80s i think he did that mostly so that they wouldn't have phones everywhere and things yeah uh that's a really good one uh this one is really slow build and you've got this like couple of people who are who are into ghost hunting and stuff but they 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 they're doing it basically they're, they're like looking online and and chat about it while they're hanging out at this hotel this inn that's about to close Mm-hmm. In, uh, in Connecticut somewhere I think and uh, so it's the last weekend this place is going to be open and they've just got a couple of guests and uh, so they uh, and this place is supposed to be haunted and uh, it's shot in an actual inn that's supposed to be haunted um, but anyway um, uh, you've got Sarah Paxton she has to carry the movie and she's really good I really liked her she's going to be in the Twin Peaks series next year that'll be great yeah um and then uh, the other, the guy with her is Pat Healy, and they were both in um, uh, Cheap Thrills a couple of years ago. I've heard a lot of good things about Cheap Thrills, mm-hmm. and that's on that's on my list of see it when it's available. Right, but it, I mean the the payoff in this one, you, you can't help but be disappointed when things actually start manifesting. Mm. It just seems familiar, and uh, you know after all that build up, you just can't help but be bit let down but it's it's good you you got to be really patient and like these people she's so good at comedy I'd, I'd like to see her do comedies she's been in um, a couple of horror movies she was in Sharp Night 3D <clears throat> and Last House on the Left uh, the remake which I, I've not seen either of those no um, but uh, there's, a, there's a scene where she has to take the trash out and the, she's having a hard time hauling the bag and she wants to get it into the dumpster in one go and then she, it's just the way she's trying it over and over and uh, in different ways. It's pretty funny. Her, her timing's really good. Uh, so, yeah, I really liked her. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, Hell Below, which is like this really early submarine movie. Okay. Mm. Uh, it gets really tense and pretty scary. Uh, it's this like pre-code World War One submarine movie. So it's like... Oh, what even, year? Uh, 33. Okay. Uh, and, you know, it looked bad enough in World War Two, but, like, World War One conditions, it just looks... Yeah. Hellish. You're sort of signing your life away when you agree to be on this crew. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, but it's got... It's got Walter Houston is this, like, by-the-book commander who takes over this <clears throat> submarine. And then there's Robert Mo- Montgomery, who was in Night Must Fall and all that. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Durante is the cook. Oh, <laughs> Okay. Uh, Eugene Pallet and there's all these character actors in it. Um, there's a yeah, um, there's a kangaroo boxing scene. It's uh, pretty bloody. Um, seems like there's some racy quips were cut from it because they build up to all these things that they're going to do once they get ashore. Mm-hmm. When they're chatting, and there's like the film kind of jumps. Oh. <laughs> oh, what do they say there? Uh, there's this hilarious caricature of a British guy. 
he's got these like horrible teeth and everything. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was that was a pretty cool movie. And um, did you look to see if he was played by an actual British guy? I don't think he was because his accent was terrible. <laughs> he's really overdoing it. Um, he might have been an actual British guy doing it ironically. <laughs> That's always possible. <laughs> and then also Medium Call, as I said, and uh, uh, a Korean War movie called Bamboo Cage, which is one of the early films to deal with brainwashing, which kind of feeds into those 50s things about aliens taking over our minds and things. And then uh, and I saw a Japanese horror movie I've been waiting to see for ages called um, Kaiden Simushi Toko, which is... A uh, ghost story of the Hunchback Man. Uh, Sounds also, much better in Japanese. Also known as House of Terrors. That's a better name. Or <laughs> Pit of Satan. Uh, now they're just Revenge fit. of the Creature's Ghost. Yeah. <laughs> That's from 65. It's from the Hajime Sato who, who did uh, Gokei Body Snatcher from Hell and um, Terror Beneath the Sea. Um but the only, uh, it wasn't released on home video in Japan, as far as I know. So uh, the only version you can see is being dubbed into Italian. Oh, lovely. So it is really weird. <laughs> so you're kind of two steps removed from experiencing the original version. But I don't think it is very good to begin with. Uh, you know, it's kind of dull for long stretches, but it looks good. Well, they yeah. really know how to shoot without that widescreen format. It looks good in this, and you know. Well, that's something. Amusing is kind of sixties gothic. All right, fun, yeah. you know. <laughs> so, you, me. Well, I watched Straight Out of Compton, as I mentioned earlier, and that one's interesting. It's about the NWA NWA uh, origin story, basically, how that group got together and uh, what things were like then, and mm-hmm. some of those things haven't changed, but. Uh, it was kind of interesting to see you know, how the dynamic of the group uh, was and what caused them to fall apart. And of course, there was the um, sketchy manager mm-hmm. who was taking advantage. And I like the fact that Ice Cube got suspicious and bailed out early. <laughs> and then Dr. Dre figured it out, too, and he got out. And they both went their own ways and did really well for themselves. He's just me... been... Sorry? I've not seen this film, but the ads made me feel so old. Because they they advertised it like it was, you know, I don't know, the 1920s or something. Remember Granddad's gangster rap bands (laughs) that he used to listen to on his Victrola? Well, here they are. Sing through a megaphone. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So um, if I had not known this ahead of time from having seen Ice Cube on one of those late night talk shows, I would have been looking at that screen going damn, that guy looks just like Ice Cube. Yeah. He sounds like him, too. Mm-hmm. And it's his son, of right. course, as we all know. And uh, and I mentioned this, I think, on an earlier show where uh, I said that uh, Ice Cube really sweated him and made him try out for the role and go back and audition a second, third time. Wow. <laughs> He's like, I'm not handing him nothing. <laughs> so, But his son looks just like him, mm-hmm. sounds just like him. And... You know, it's a lot of fun watching, you know, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that supposedly went on or did go on. And there's probably a lot of really nasty stuff we'll never hear about. Mm. You know, so uh, my one criticism about the whole movie is that 
they sure didn't pick a very convincing looking Snoop Dogg. <laughs> I mean, there's a distinct look to Snoop Dogg and there wasn't a whole lot of acting required because he wasn't in the picture a whole bunch. I mean, he needed to be taller and he needed some higher cheekbones and we'll look more like him. Mm. But that's okay. If that's the worst thing I can say about it, it was entertaining. It was fun. It made you angry where it should. It made you laugh where it should. So it's worth a look for sure. Why did they cast Danny DeVito as Snoop? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what was the reasoning behind that? Did he I, have it, to try out more than once, too? He was the executive producer, so, okay. you know, that's how that works. He really nailed the, the performance <laughs> in the audition. <laughs> more so than the actual Snoop Doc. Yeah. Yeah, he's way Snoopier than Snoop when it comes down to it. So that was a lot of fun. And then I've watched a, a bunch of uh, the, the series Mr. Robot. Oh, yes. Or as the old people call it, Mr. Robot. So, Mr. Robot. <laughs> yeah. I just love when old people say robot. I've never heard an old person actually say robot. No? Um, how about referring to a fridge as an icebox or a couch as a Davenport? I still call the fridge an icebox. I don't think I've ever heard anyone actually use Davenport. I've only heard one person, and that was my grandmother. And I remember as a kid thinking, what's a Davenport? Mm. And my grandpa used to say bureau, referring to the dresser. And I remember thinking, I'm supposed to get it from the bureau. I don't know what the bureau is. The bureau. <laughs> the feds? Am I supposed to go find an agent and get it from him? Yes. So I don't want to sidetrack too much on what old people say because... I'm becoming an old person, so... <laughs> right before our eyes. Yeah, I'm, I'm just... Right before the listener's ears. <laughs> right, I'm falling apart, and all the bands I thought were young and cool are getting old and having old-timey documentaries made about them. Old-timey documentaries. That was a biopic. It wasn't a doc. So, uh, there was that, and I think I watched something else on Netflix, and I don't remember what it was, so it's it not important. Good. It must have been awesome. There's a 50s film called The Brain Eaters, and... Uh, yes where they pronounce it as robot i think robot. i know this one yeah i just remember that because it's in the trailer and you know that comes up on my player so that's got leonard nimoy in it oh man i'm playing, going playing an alien i need playing to go a robot <laughs> subterranean fella anyway i want to go back and watch everything he's in prior to star trek okay so there's got to be, what, all right, six I'll, or eight movies? I'll lend you that next next week. <laughs> all right, cool. Um, so, should we talk about Green Room? Okie doke. Uh, wait, before we talk about Green Room. Um, something exciting happened at San Diego Comic-Con. And some people may not find this exciting. They, um, they were previewing a movie called The Woods. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people were like, huh, this looks like it might be something interesting. Let's go check it out. And they go into this screening of the woods, and it so turns out, just kidding, it's the Blair Witch. Mm. So they're not exactly rebooting it, they're doing a sequel. Yeah, because he's trying to find his sister. Yeah, which would be the Heather Donahue character. So, um, it looks from the preview like it's going to actually be scary and not have as much shaky cam. So we, I think we talked about this when we were talking about the movie The Witch... Uh, that the shaky cam was just too much. Mm -hmm. And um, the, it, honestly, the Blair Witch didn't scare me. 
The Curse of the Blair Witch was the little companion piece. I really enjoyed the fake documentary. Mm -hmm. And then the Blair Witch Witch 2. Book of of Shadows. (laughs) Is it Book of Shadows or Book of Spells? I was going to say Book of Spells. I don't remember one of those. Secret of the Use. Book of Limericks. (laughs) Mm. Um, Big Book of Facts. (laughs) Strange Stories and Amazing Facts. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Bumble Coloring Book. (laughs) I kind of think we should... Go back and rewatch it. Maybe we'll do a feature called "Was It Really That Terrible?" Yeah, yeah. I didn't make it through the first time, so I'm pretty sure. If I have to watch it, I'll watch it. Pretty sure it was that terrible. Okay, let's not watch it. But this one looks like it'll actually be good. And um, I like the bit with the in the trailer with the tunnel, but the rest of it. mm. Ah, well, it looked like a standard movie. Right. You could even fool the actors into just telling them it's going to be like a cabin in the woods kind of a thing. So everybody just act really scared and they could just film the parts where they say stuff about the missing people. But they look more like standard, you know, Hollywood actor, young actors than yeah. the first movie. Yeah, they, they really need to have some more normal looking people in movies. I think they should have taken it to another meta level and had the people who played the characters in the first film actually <laughs> die. Oh, yeah. <laughs> From a curse. Yeah. I mean, it's been used forever, but it's not going to be that original, I imagine. Blair Witch 3. Are you mad? I am your daughter. Yes. <laughs> what was that one? Yeah. Um, there's a short story called Sticks. I forget who wrote it, but that's basically the the idea of the people going into the woods, and then there's uh, there's a certain area where... You know, there's like these uh, stick signs being put up uh-huh. around them, and uh, they get cursed. And there's a kind of uh, curse that gets passed on if you just read about it. Yeah, and then they could even tie in why the sequel was so god awful. <laughs> was it was part of the curse? Yeah, it was part of a cover up. So yeah, you know, throwing people off the scent, like some hot, like what they actually tried to film for Blair Witch Two was so horrifying that they had to cobble together this crap film and rush it out. <laughs> and it's been uncovered now by whomever. Conspiracy, conspiracy theorists. Yeah, somebody who downloaded it off the internet. The Praetorians. The Praetorians? <laughs> that was from the net. Oh. <laughs> I don't remember anything about the net, thankfully. It was um, probably outdated with the computer stuff for its time and now i think it would just be hilarious it was outdated yeah when it came out i think it was the uh trailer that i was most excited about from the con was um kong skull island yeah i didn't get to watch the trailer yet how's it look oh yeah (laughs) that's the one i'm excited about that yeah well you throw a giant gorilla in it and i'm the same way i I think it's making yeah and he's kind of more of a primate uh he's like standing erect um yeah, it's, uh, it's Sam Jackson in it, and yeah, it looks good. Who's making it? Do you know? I forget. Rob I'm spacing on that, but it, it's it's going to be um, it, it's been it's put out by Le- Legendary Pictures. Okay, and it's not Peter <clears throat> Jackson. Okay, Rob Zombie. And it's uh, it's contemporary time. It's not Rob Zombie. <laughs> uh, Is it Ron Howard? No. <laughs> I want it to be Ron Howard, now that you say that. And it's not Danny DeVito, either. Uh, 
But yeah, that looks pretty exciting. Ryan Howard's so they, they, Rob Kong is like uh, <laughs> way bigger because they, you know they're going to match him up against Godzilla. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, so he's going up against like modern day Marines with all their weapons. And... Wow. Yeah. Hmm. That's another fan edit. I want to see somebody cut the remake down to the time of the original film. Yeah, take the script from the original movie and uh-huh. cut it to that. Yeah. Yeah. Might be interesting. <laughs> I think we should cut together all of Bill Paxton's best moments. Just like do a Paxton supercut. Because I was thinking about him the other day. Um, we were talking about, uh, you had the idea of, of That's Not Horror, and I had the idea of uh, of um, Horror Not Horror. Mm-hmm. Like people always say Jaws is a horror movie. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like it is. Is it not? Why is it not? I, I don't. I, I do. I scared people <laughs> out of the water for years. Yeah. Right. And that's the point that you made about it. And I always just felt like, oh, it's just nature run amok. It's just mm. a big shark doing scary shark stuff. Eco horror. It was a whole thing in the 70s. Fair yeah. enough. But I would, I would feel like it's not as much a horror movie as, say, The Exorcist. But it's more exciting. It's definitely scarier. So is it therefore a horror movie? But um, I was going somewhere with this and totally lost track. Shit. <laughs> uh, but anyway, horror, what movie were we talking about before that? Horror. Uh, we were talking about robots. Robots, yeah. yeah they're going to take over <laughs> can, with these can, youngsters and their robots. Uh, Blair Witch out of Compton. Blair, Blair Witch, Witch out of Compton. Oh, man, I would watch the hell out of that. Yeah. Leprechaun in the hood. Oh, man. There's going to be a whole hood witch scene now. It's going to be a subgenre. Hood witch. There's yeah. a title. Oh, man. I got to cut this out because we got to uh, copyright that. That's a band. Yeah. Hood okay. Witch. Band. 45 inch. No, please, witch. somebody take that name. <laughs> Run with it. We won't use it. Right. This is true. We won't. We're, We're not going to form oh, a band. Before we get time. to, I think you were leading up to Green Room. Is that a horror movie or not? Um, that might have been where uh, I was going before with that. we Before we go into that, uh, we're recording this on the 27th of July. And uh, Jack Davis passed away today. So I'd just like oh, to uh, mention that. He's such a hero of mine. And, I mean, you know, I, um, most of your heroes are going to be born before you and pass away before you do. And so. Uh, None of my but, heroes have been born you yet. Know, it's sad that, you know, it's sad, but, um, uh, you know, such an amazing amount of very varied work and but you know in, in terms of horror he was like one of the easy comics jack davis is the first artist i could recognize his style yeah, yeah. he's the first person i learned like his name and mm-hmm. stuff about him uh because he was so fantastic yeah and uh you know i always thought Oh, I should meet him. I, I wish I could meet him. I right. never did. I never got a chance. Yeah, and he, he had this more, uh, I mean, you know what I mean by that, more cartoony, more exaggerated action and and stretching of the limbs and faces. And, yeah. And uh, so, um, when they had a story that ended in a particularly gory way, they'd give it to Jack Davis because it would be <laughs> funny. Yeah. If someone like Jack came and drew you know, stories like foul play, it would be disgusting. Yeah. Uh, it'd be just too real. But Jack Davis is, is funny. Yeah. So. He's fantastic. He, 
Uh, I remember reading some little interview with him, and he tells some story about making the FedEx guy erase pages for him. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> While he gets the package ready, right. and he's, like, still inking stuff and trying to dry it. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> he's got the FedEx guy, like, erasing yeah. pages and packing them up. So uh, you, you'll, you'll have seen him, his... I mean, in terms of horror, he he did that that huge like life size, as it were, Frankenstein monster. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The he, poster you could buy back in the yeah, day. Yeah. Um, he he illustrated the cartoons and the creature features, bubblegum cards and things like that. He did the poster for Horror Hotel and. I've got folders full of this stuff on my computer. I can post this on our Instagram. Yeah, but uh, yeah, one of the great great illustrators. Yeah, much respect due for sure, and. uh that does remind me of one of my favorite stories of when we all worked at the art supply store. I was um, I was on the sales floor with my portable phone on my hip, and uh, it was it was really interesting to uh, to just be helping a customer who was so cool and so nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, you remember this moment? You were you were filling in for the receptionist. You're talking about John Severin. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you're filling in for the receptionist with that bird's eye view of the whole sales floor. And my phone rings, and I answer it real quick because I see it's the reception desk. And it's Jolien saying, um, you're helping John Severin right now. I just need you to know that. And I said, the same? The one? And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's the one. I was Cracked like, Magazine's John Severin? Hell yes. yeah. I grew up with Cracked Magazine and Mad Magazine were my favorites. Yeah. And I would have loved this guy as a regular customer mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. But knowing he was a guy who my dad grew up on his comics. And I grew up on his comics in Cracked Magazine. But, um, you know, he had two-fisted tales and all that mm-hmm. stuff back in the 50s and 60s. Yeah, he used to do more of the westerns and war yeah. stories. Yeah. And he was just really funny and sweet. And mm-hmm. just had a had just a, a mischievous sense of humor you know, there's something yes. about him. He just had an edge to him that was really fun. Oh, yeah. I was, I was working, like, putting paper away in the drawers, and I feel this poke in my back, and I turn around, and he's making, like, the two guns gesture with his fingers. <laughs> and he goes, hey, put him up, partner. <laughs> That's pretty uh, cool. Yeah, he's, he's a really nice guy. But, we, yeah, we lost him a few years ago, and uh, it's it's going to be like that for a while. Like, some, some of the some of the old... School guys are going to be, you know. Yeah, I think that's that's people all the, are going to easy crowd, dying. isn't it? Mm-hmm. They're going to keep being <laughs> for born. the foreseeable future. Until you've heard it here first. Jack Kamen died a few years ago as well. Yeah, I can't think of any of the EC guys who are still around. Mary um, Severin is she's still around? Yes. She's she's you know, so John's, John's sister, sister did she did all the coloring. Mm-hmm. She's still around, but she's the only one I think. But it's true. People are going to keep being born and they're going to keep dying. Yeah, but this year has just been miserable. <laughs> yeah. If they could only just well, like... Well, it's only because it's the people you know about. I imagine years before were awful for other people. Right. Sure. You know, here in the news that, I don't know, somebody who died last year. Yeah. Just, they're different fans. Mm. Yeah. I suppose. Some 1913 baseball player named Mudfoot Robinson yeah. or something. And you're like, well, okay. He threw with his foot. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it, it's a good reminder that, uh, you know, unless you can transfer these people's mind into that of a robot, then when they're gone, they're gone. Yes. So should we now talk about Green Room? Okay. So on the way over here, we were talking about... Um, 
what we can now call hot topic punks, or as you called them in England, shiny punks. Yes. Uh, there was a time when if you were going to be a punk rock kind of person, if you're going to kind of, you know, shoulder that whole mantle, that whole lifestyle, you're probably making everything yourself and doing everything yourself. If it was a, a flyer or a zine or a jacket or a haircut, it wasn't something that you went and got in a store. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember those days. I remember them well. And uh, it's kind of interesting to see this movie where the characters are, are kind of living a, a, in the modern world the most genuine form of the punk rock lifestyle that they can, mm-hmm. which is, of course, to tour with <laughs> no foreseeable money coming in or comfort or, oh, say, food, water, gasoline for their vehicle, anything. And they're just kind of hand to mouth making their way through the end of a, a tour that doesn't look like it was very rewarding. <laughs> so that was kind of a nice groundwork for the story to be just like these folks are kind of in a shitty situation and they're going to take whatever they can get. Mm-hmm. And what they're given is a gig at a skinhead club. What a terrific idea. And uh, it seems like they're told it's not going to be that bad. You just go ahead and do it. And they show up to, it looks pretty bad. Yeah, it's as bad as it gets. So they're not shiny punks. They're not hot topic punks. They're kind of like, they're trying to be the genuine thing as best they can. So uh, now, Will, you freshly watched this. You just saw this today. Yes. How did you like it? Hated it. Did you? Hated this film. Now, you haven't seen Blue Ruin yet. No, I'm not, but I'm not going to because I hated this film so much. Okay, tell us what you hated about it. Everything. <laughs> Start somewhere. Tell us. Well, I liked it. I liked the uh, cover of Nazi punks mm-hmm. that they did, and that's about it. Um, a lot of it was filmed in Confuso Vision. <laughs> uh, most of the dialogue was either mumbled or. More likely, mumbled why someone screamed next to them. <laughs> if I didn't have closed captioning. So you don't like mumblecore. I, mumble core, and I you, hate mumblecore. And you don't like mumble screamcore. And the only thing I, I really want to know what happened to Sir Patrick Stewart. Is he that hard up for cash? Does he have a drug problem? Because <laughs> why was he in this piece of shit? What do you mean I'm out of money? No, Go Pat- get me an H-ball. He left the script. <laughs> He, really? Yeah, he read it in in his home in England and, and got up and uh, locked every door and window, st- stuck his security system on and then finished it. Wow. It scared him. Maybe yeah. it maybe it reads better because you could understand what people were saying <laughs> and could follow the plot. Oh, I, I stuck the subtitles on pretty early. Yeah, I have to because mumble chorus the worst. Yeah, I've, I've been on like film sets where they're doing that. And you can't hear what they're saying on the set. Yeah, they have the, the microphones like, you know, pretty close, and then because like heroes nowadays have to do this like, like gravelly voice and try and talk like Batman, <laughs> you know, so they don't damage their throats or something, or so they can do this voice. They they do it pretty quietly and it's way back in the throat. Yeah. So yeah, you can't hear what they're saying on the sets. No. Ridiculous. Yeah. So what about the suspense angle of it all? Well, at first I thought, okay, maybe I'm not liking this because of the tension. Then I realized it wasn't tension. It was irritation. (laughs) Um, A, I didn't know anything about this band. B, 
Their punks make them anarchist. You're going up against Nazis, neo-Nazis. I mean, give me that. A lot of this film felt like... I have a problem with films, a lot of films nowadays. They're kind of a shorthand based on films that came before. Mm. Almost like they're all, not quite tropes, but I feel that the filmmaker thinks... They found a blueprint. Yeah, like I don't need to explain these five characters because you've seen them before. Mm. Okay. And it just, it feels very lazy. So I didn't know who these people were. They're kind of mumbly. They had a perfect opportunity when the guy was interviewing him at the beginning to dump some exposition if you wanted. Right. Um, Then they get to this club and everybody becomes 20 points dumber. (laughs) Both good guys and bad guys. You know, and ultimately, I, I turned it off. I've actually not finished watching this film. Wow. <laughs> I made it an hour, and I decided that it was just too dumb. There, you missed the dumbest stuff, though. Why didn't the Why didn't the neo Nazis kick down their plywood door? I mean, that door wouldn't hold anyone. Mm-hmm. Um. I think this film was a remake of Rock and Roll Nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Only worse. All right. Wow. Wow, okay. There was nothing to this film. I got nothing out of it. It felt like the tension didn't feel real. It just felt like confusion because the camera's swirling around and people shrieking. That's not enough for me. That's just irritation. I want you to stop. I really hate films that are all shrieking. Yeah. Um, I could see that. Wow. <laughs> I didn't remember that much shrieking. When we watched the uh, the innkeepers, like uh, when when someone has to do something really stupid for the plot to work. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yes, yeah, so, so that happens in the innkeepers. Like, and Emily always says, uh, oh, "Why did she just swallow the stupid pill?" Yeah. She has to go into the worst place she could possibly go at the worst time yeah. for the plot to continue. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she swallows the stupid pill, she puts it. Yeah, it's... Uh, I felt all these characters were just dumb on both <laughs> sides. Well, the big... I didn't understand why the neo-Nazis were standing around holding their dicks for an hour or whatever while the, the kids... Uh, and the bouncers sit in that room. Also, I didn't realize the girl was dead for a second. I thought the one she with the knife sticking out. out of her temple. I could Emily. not see that. Her name's Emily. Emily. All right. <laughs> I didn't get that. I couldn't tell you who any of these people were, mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, except uh, maybe from Arrested Development. Yep, you recognize. Though I don't believe that was her name in this film. No, but yeah, that's the same actress. Yeah. So. Um, Something about the skinheads. Uh, I do agree that there would have been more action from them because individually you typically don't see much bravery or activity from a skinhead. Yeah. Um, You don't usually have one of them walk into a bar or a restaurant or some social gathering and start trouble. Never. They're a pack animal. Yeah. Yeah. Without two or three buddies. Yeah. Yeah. I, I stared one down one time and, uh, he acted like he didn't see me. 
and I don't even want to get into what the circumstances were, but uh, I thought, fuck this guy. <laughs> I'll, I'll take a punch, I'll throw a punch, fuck him, he can go. And uh, he left. And if he had been with two or three of his friends, they would have to prove something to each other. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I can go into a, a little bit more about skinheads I've seen around and what I've seen them do and not do. Um, but bottom line is I do believe that in a group they would have taken some action unless Sir Patrick Stewart was telling them not to. Yeah, because of what you said about kicking in the door, because they're quite prepared to redo the floor. Yes. And it was just... Repaint everything, and, but they can't kick but in But the they door. can't kick in the door and kill these. Also, also, if Patrick Stewart was running this gang, you have to assume he... He's sharper than the rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least more cunning, maybe. Why would you murder six people to cover up the murder of one person? When they could pay the <clears throat> band off and say, hit the road. I'm sure the band would have gone, great, thumbs up, we're gone. Right. You know, why decide? And then they decide this stupid plot with dogs. They're going to kill them with the neighbor's dogs. What the fuck? <laughs> who wrote this shit? Somebody who really wanted some dogs in the pictures. Oh my god! And then the guy, he, he has the gun. Why turn it over? Even if you only have five shots. Right. Um, I imagine you could make five shots last till you got to the office, where I would imagine more bullets might be. That's or a good... cartridges is. Cartridges. We were told, whatever. Right shells more shells as they point out in uh, Shaun of the dead i'll call them shells no okay so (laughs) this this was definitely a point in the movie i also thought didn't work was the fact that there had to be a better circumstance for the standoff to happen like something more believable because all the patrick stewart character had to say at this point was Look, we've got you outgunned. We've got you outnumbered. If you don't come out, we're just going to squirt gasoline under the door and burn you out or come in shooting. So we need you to just go along with us on this thing and see if they were going to go with their plan. Well, they couldn't burn them because they're they're standing over their heroin lab. Oh, this is true. Which was silly. Who builds a nightclub over a heroin lab? For some reason, the uh, Skinners (laughs) don't go into the back entrances of the heroin lab, and there are at least two. Yes. Yeah, a few plot holes. Should have been math. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, that's what I assumed it was. Yeah. Same here. And then it turned and out it was heroin. heroin. It's I, like, yeah. I, I can see them not wanting to mess around with it if it's something really flammable like meth. Yeah, that would have made a little more sense. Why didn't they act, you know, have one of the band members maybe kill a neo-Nazi? Hmm. Uh, I don't well, know. It, I just it, felt it, like it the... It does eventually. I don't know if you got that far. Well... They killed the big guy. Yeah, I did see them kill the big guy. Um, big Justin. I think yes. Big Justin. Uh, he puts him in a chokehold and kills him. Yeah, and they cut him open. Yeah, the the girl uh, cut cuts him just to prove that he's dead. Yeah. Which is a bit extreme. A bit. <laughs> she could just poke him, but she just like slits him open like she's gutting a fish. No, and I, then she mm. pushed Luke Skywalker inside to keep him warm. <laughs> Wait, was I watching the wrong movie? You know, I would say the least believable thing besides some of the big plot holes in the standoff 
was that this run-of-the-mill punk band, which, yeah, maybe they're maybe they do want to live by their credo or whatever, that they would dare get up in front of a whole room full of skinheads and play Nazi punks fuck off. Yeah, in the middle of the woods. In the middle of the woods, yeah. yeah. Because I've been around groups of people who I suspected might just be a little dangerous. Mm-hmm. That might, like, punch you out. Maybe not punch you into a pulp. And, you know, you look around and you think, well, I'm going to keep my eyes open here. And I'm not going to rock the boat, not going to do or say anything silly. I I let that go because uh, I don't know about here. In England, Skinhead started in the 60s. Mm -hmm. And uh, they are not necessarily Nazis. They're not necessarily racists. Right. In fact, uh, the biggest uh, fan base for reggae outside of the Jamaican population would be Skinheads. Right. Um, so that's why like reggae was as big as punk by the time that you know that happened because skinheads have been into reggae for so long. And you will hear and the influence in a lot of part punk music. Of the, the you know club scene. Yeah. Right? Um, and and the whole color coding of the laces that they didn't explain it in the film. I mean, that would be you know you'd have to have Mister Exposition come out and explain it, but right. You'd have different laces for different things. Like um, uh, if you hated a certain racial group, your laces would probably be a certain color. Right. Something like that. Uh, but it would also mark the, the skinheads who weren't you know, vicious. Right. Um, and, so. And when they mention, um, you know, gather up some guys, red laces only, and that means somebody... Yeah, yeah they, they, they kill. Yeah, somebody who will kill for the cause. Um but uh, yeah, that's why I let it go. You know, so they they play this song, and some of them, some of the skinheads walk out, and some of them stay, and they get into it um, because uh, not all of them are going to be, you know, vicious racist Nazis. Yeah. How did they plan to cover for the eighty people that were there? That probably will tell somebody, "Hey, I saw that band that went missing." <laughs> <laughs> the, the Blair Witch Band. <laughs> Yeah. So, so d- did you like it? Overall, I did. And uh, I felt like the moodiness, and maybe maybe this is somewhat um, influenced by the fact that I did like Blue Ruin, um, a movie with not a lot of dialogue. And, you know, the dialogue you did get, there was a fair amount of mumbling, I will admit to that. Uh, I do think there was a lot of, you know, uh, oh, what's the best way to say it? A lot of not just the quiet talking or mumbling, but also people speaking in short sentences or few words where more words might be better. Um, and one of the, uh, one of the characters, the, I don't know if he's the stage manager, but the kind of round faced guy who makes it to the end or almost the end of the movie. He's the main character in blue ruin. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's in all his films. Isn't he? Yeah, he is. Um, that is, he played Dwight in Blue Ruin, um, Macon Blair, the guy's name is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he he did a really good job in Blue Ruin, and I did like what the director did. Um, some of the notes I, uh, that I wrote down was that, you know, this had a good moody feel. They used aerial shots and long shots pretty well to give you an idea of the isolation of this club. and uh, And I kind of felt like it laid the groundwork pretty nicely. And then they made a couple big 
um, mistakes as we all kind of agree. But, uh, yeah, um, when I first heard about this movie, I was under the mistaken impression that this band gets out to the woods. They think it's a skinhead gig and they're worried about that. And then they turn out to be vampires. (laughs) See, I kind of thought the same thing. I didn't think they'd be vampires or werewolves, but I thought it would be a cult of some sort. Mm. Right. Um, I thought maybe they, you know, it'd be a wicker man and and they lured (laughs) the band out there. Yes. And, Uh, And that, um, the cheesy mohawk guy was complicit in the whole thing, and yeah, yeah, just helping them out. Right. Uh, I would have liked to seen them have to come together as a band, yeah, to fight the neo Nazis, and also they should have upped the body count of the neo Nazis to I don't know the twenties or more. <laughs> they denied me lots of neo Nazi murder. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Uh... Don't put Nazis in a film if you're not going to mow them down. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah um i would say that uh, the overall they do kind of recover from some of the bad decisions with some of the stuff they do after um it's it's nothing that kind of knocked my socks off but i still i still felt at the end of it all like i saw something that i enjoyed and that meant excusing a few things that I thought were just not really believable. You know, it was more about the mood of the piece than it was about all of the content, you know, being cohesive. And that's what I can say I liked about it. Um, my firsthand experience, uh, which there's not a lot of, um, because a lot of these guys are chickens and they, they only hang out in groups. Um, I went to college in northern Idaho not far from where one of the big camps was for these guys. And uh, the Aryan Nations were, um, that was the name of the group. And they were only a few miles outside of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And uh, there was one time I saw a couple of their new recruits walking down the street, stapling up these offensive flyers to phone poles. And about half a block behind them, there were some little skate punks Hmm. skating along, ripping the posters down and crumpling (laughs) them up. Nice. So their message didn't get out for more than about 30 seconds and to no one whatsoever. Mm. So I saw that happening and I thought, well, you know, these young guys uh, with the skateboards, um, they're not afraid. They'll, they'll probably, you know, either swing their board at them and clock them in the head or flip them off and skate away. <laughs> they weren't going to put up with it, though. And that was pretty cool. Um, and I had been to a couple of bars or parties where, you know, you'd see the odd one here or there, but they usually felt like they weren't in their element and they would leave, um, in groups, um, they would try to get a parade permit and, you know, get some sort of a parade or a rally going, but every time, and a lot of people were mistaken about what it was like up there, people would assume that, oh man, everybody's complicit. Everybody's okay with these guys. And that was what people believed about this part of the world. But the truth of the matter is, um, the watchdog group that kept an eye on them to make sure that if they did anything, that they would get the whistle blown on them immediately, was hundreds of times bigger in numbers than these guys were. That's why they lived in a compound, (laughs) not in town. Right. They're, They're like a couple of miles down some road, and there's a lot of barbed wire, and then all this nonsense. And... The news would always love to sensationalize what was going on. 
You'd always see the, these close-cropped shots of the Nazi parade going down the main boulevard of this town, but they wouldn't pull back and show the three or 4,000 people booing and mm -hmm. flipping them off and holding up protest signs. It was always like, here they are, goose-stepping in the streets. And it was usually once a year and to not a lot of fanfare. Now, having... I'll get down off the soapbox about that now. But uh, the truth is, um, it would be a lot scarier than what we saw in this film, I think, to be in the lion's den, so to speak. That's yeah. my that's my assumption. So. Well, the, the band had, like, the run of the place for so long, it seemed. They got down into the basement, but nobody came down there. I, uh, I'm tired of talking about this shit. <laughs> did you get as far as the fake stabbing that they did for the police? Yes, I saw the fake stabbing, but the cops never showed, so... I mean, they. I guess they did. They showed up. Yeah, they, yeah. they only mention it, though. I mean, there's yeah. another chance to build some suspense. Will the cops find them? Right. Uh, I don't know. Well, the, well the idea was that when the cops show up to answer that 911 call, yeah, they're just like, yep. That kid stabbed that other kid. Yeah, here's 600 bucks. Yeah. He's willing to pay 600 bucks for that, but he didn't pay off the band. He could have been like, hey, you guys look like you could use 600 bucks. Hey, you guys want 600 bucks? Yeah. All right. Get in your van and drive away. Okay. Now, when... Um, when uh, I wrote Picard, okay, I don't have... Professor pa Picard. <laughs> Sir Patrick Stewart... Sir pa Professor Picard. <laughs> when he's outside the door trying to fool the punks, and I don't know why the skinhead girl gets on board with them right away. It kind of made you think she was going to sell them out, you know, like... The Poots character. Yeah, yeah. Um she peeks through the, the vent at the bottom of the door mm -hmm. and sees the red boot laces. So she's on to him and she's the one who kind of figures it out. And I think that would have been a good, a good point for them to say, Hey, look, we know what you're up to. Let's make a deal and at least try or maybe shoot through the door, kill somebody, try and fool them into coming in. I don't know. There seemed like there was something really crazy that could have happened. Yeah. This movie made me feel confused, <laughs> but I didn't miss any of it. <laughs> I just felt like there were parts that were missing. Um, uh, if there was an awful dog attack that you missed, I'm pretty sure. No, I saw the dog attack. I watched about an hour of it. I think you might have seen most of this movie. You should have just finished it. Yeah, I had about 35 minutes left, and I couldn't do it. I don't remember what happened, but it seemed like the nobody was doing anything. And uh, I felt like the movie had no real point. Why involve neo-Nazis if you're not going to really use them? I mean, they could have just been anybody. Hillbillies. Were, hillbillies, yeah. <laughs> hillbillies would have been scarier or mutants or something. But the neo-Nazis, why specifically neo-Nazis? Actually, I think Big Justin, the mm -hmm. guy that was locked in with them, was in The Hills Have Eyes. Perhaps. So they were halfway there. They could have just, you know, had him pull off his Big Justin mask and reveal that he was a mutant. A mutant. So, Jolien, what do you feel like they got right? Uh, I bought into this movie. I found it very suspenseful. Uh, I mean, what were you saying about the... Um, 
uh, a film relying on you already having seen these characters. Yeah. I I know people like this. Mm-hmm. I've been in situations not as extreme as this, but like violent nightclubs and yeah, tribes of people going at each other. And uh, yeah, I just bought into it. Uh, I, I, you know, I I recognise this like kind of uh, the 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 band itself. It was, I couldn't distinguish between the people who weren't Star Trek cast members. Yeah. But, um, the, uh, but you know, I thought they were good actors. But um, yeah, I, I just recognised that 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 band of uh, they don't really have anything original to say. They they kind of this nostalgic punk okay outfit that you know they've they've listened to black flag and you know there's these punk bands from the early 80s but then yeah and they make music that sounds like them but they're they're not really doing anything new yeah they're recycling what they've heard yeah yeah yeah. so uh so i I kind of yeah i recognize them i recognize the skinheads unfortunately um yeah, I just bought into it, and and I like this this director's like running thing of people being incompetent at what they do. Like no one's good at doing what they have to do. Like the the violence and so on. If anyone knew what they were going to do, that you'd have that high body count of the the Nazis yeah. and whatever. But no one really knows how to handle a gun, or uh, like even the even the guy who's supposed to be a judo expert. You know, I, I'm not sure his chokehold. About his joke, <laughs> but um, <laughs> it was a little um, rusty. Yeah, I, I, you know, a couple of them. I know there's a whole bunch of them, but I'm, um, uh, yeah, and I, I, I had a friend who was like a judo expert and had to take down some people at clubs and things, and uh, and you know, he was very upset about it. But um, uh, so I recognise this, you know, how things can go and how people in extreme situations do really stupid things and they and because like your your um when your adrenaline is that high your motor control unless you're like trained for it your motor control goes out the window oh certainly and uh and you do all sorts of stupid things so i kind of recognize that and how both sides were like being really pretty foolish (laughs) Uh, yeah. So, and and how this like situation was just going. They didn't know who to trust, and things were just going south, and uh, they were stuck out in the middle of nowhere, and and uh, you know they they couldn't get hold of the police or anything. It's just uh, yeah, and it, it and it was played pretty real um, in terms of the like the violence and and so on. So it it worked for me. I thought it was a good thriller, and uh, I didn't think it was a horror movie. I would agree. Um, the people were just too human, and they changed a lot. Like some people who started out being really bad, they kind of came around, the, mm-hmm. and vice versa. And uh, people would change depending on how they were going to get through this and survive. And all. Yeah. Uh, so they, they felt, it just felt too human to be a horror movie. Uh, it wasn't like a monster. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I thought it, it worked for me. It was, it was pretty suspenseful and, and well shot, and um, so yeah, I enjoyed it overall. Um, I, <laughs> I randomly wondered because you, you know, you've got you got like two Star Trek cast members in it, right? Uh, I, I idly wondered uh, it'd be really really weird if it was all cast with 
people from Star Trek <laughs> going against brain. each other with box cutters and <laughs> that would have been really weird but that would have been awesome one thing that I, I think would have maybe um, changed the mood of, of the uh, the isolation of the band being trapped in the green room um, if there had been more violence in the crowd during their set I remember watching this band open for the Misfits when I lived in Hawaii and there was a singer not a very big guy and uh he was front and center and someone in the crowd, I mean, there was probably some rivalry from another band or some bullshit like that. And I, I could, from the back of the club, I mean, not the back, but from the back of the floor where the pit was, um, I'm watching the singer and I could read his lips. He says, what, what, fuck you. <laughs> and that's all he had to say. And he wound up and kicked this guy right in the face, dove in after him, punching him. Mm-hmm. And a couple of bouncers pried them apart. Singer went back on stage, finished the set. And these were young guys, you know, they weren't, um, you know, and there were a few scuffles in the crowd, like three or four scuffles during the opening act. And I like to tell this story because I think how people behave is relative to their, to what they think they can get away with. When the misfits walked out and Doyle and Jerry were standing right and left of that stage. And here's this wall of muscle, Mm -hmm. Everybody knocked that shit off. <laughs> Nobody, I mean, because either one of those guys looked like they would just pick you up by the face and throw you against a wall. And all that nonsense stopped. But there were, like, a handful of people ejected from the crowd. And that's not a hardcore, like, super hardcore band either. It's a horror punk, fun kind of a th- vibe with whatever kind of band the opening act was. But, and I could name them, but I won't. But, um, but it was... Um, it was interesting to see that. And I, you know, I can look at other shows I've been to, you know, no name punk bands. And I saw more stuff go on in the crowd than what happened in this place. And I thought, man, this would, that would set the mood a little better for, you know, for the standoff and the, you know, the, the trapping of the band into this situation that would have helped. Well, I got the idea. There was, there was like, uh, there's the general populace who come to this club for the, the bands. And then there was this like core that, that there was this uh, group that, Patrick Stewart was training and dealing heroin through, and yeah, it was a, he, he he was like training them, and it was his movement. Yeah, he called it the it, a it movement like in a movement. Yeah. But. So, yeah, that 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 would be true, I suppose. There would be people who'd say, "Yeah, let's go out to this thing in the woods." Yeah, makes sense. So, but overall, I I did like the way it looked and felt. Um, a few big fat plot holes aside. <laughs> Which, well, I'm surprised it was enough to put you off that bad, but... Which one? <laughs> just, the, well, I guess there was the mumbling too, but um, yeah, what, I, I thought you'd like this more than, than you do. What plot hole did you find most egregious? Um, the fact that, like Jolien said, they wouldn't just kick the door in and head on in. Yeah. It was... Yeah, uh, we... Or, or did we'll, you? We'll did mention you, that. Yeah. you pointed yeah. that out. Okay. Yeah, but I, I just because like later Patrick Stewart because like uh, there's like blood when blood starts flying he's he's like saying uh, oh yeah get ready with all the uh, resurfacing of the floor and the plaster and something <clears throat> like that you know, yeah they're ready to resurface the whole you know venue so, uh, to cover it up and he's gonna yeah. take he's gonna take a shuttlecraft to Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> He was very good. I, th- I found him pretty. He did a nice job. Yeah, 
yeah, he 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 believed in the script, obviously I, enough he, to he lock all gonna, his doors. He was not going to sit down and have a cup of tea and think about it. No. No, I was surprised at how they ended his character too. You know, that, that seemed like, oh, something's going to happen, and he's just going to walk away because he's got this mm. power about him. And nope. Um, so we'll spoil the ending for you, Will. He gets shot. Yes. And <laughs> I dies. read the end. Okay. I, I read how it yeah he, all he gives out. up he, he knows he's gonna is gonna end badly for him so he just he just pulls his pistol and they gun him down yeah and he probably knew that they were that they were gonna go ahead and end him i mean it seemed it seemed like there was no other way out so um out of the band members and out of the core group of the nazis not a lot of people live through this mm-hmm and that's something that I also noticed in Blue Ruin is most of the characters kind of meet their fate um, before the end of the picture, you know, save for maybe two or three. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of crazy. This felt more like um, uh, Straw Dogs of Deliverance. Yes. You know, city people meeting the backwards savages. Yeah. Than, um, than a straightforward horror movie. I think if um, if the band had been driving down the uh, this long road to the club as night was falling, and you could be pretty sure that they'd be in a bad situation to try and run through the woods to get out, that could add to some of the tension. You know, uh, for them to be disoriented, and not know where they were, that would that might help, or to not be the driver. Any of those kind of things could just like little subconscious things that could add that, you know, and that's, you know, we're not critics, but, uh, but we do notice things. So, um, I'm going to guess this is not a recommend. No, or... highly recommend two thumbs up. <laughs> Go buy this DVD now. <laughs> buy two of them. I felt ripped off. Cut up. I didn't even pay for this. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never get that hour of your life back, Will. <laughs> Once in a while, a movie comes along that makes me just irrationally mad. <laughs> this is one, the movie What Dreams May Become. Uh, yeah, I can't think of any others off the top of my head. Is that that Robin Williams one? Yes. I didn't like that one either. Oh, my God. I, I can't talk about it. It'll start a rant that won't stop for a while. <laughs> That movie had a lot of problems. Well, this director must be doing something right if he irritated you that badly. Yeah. Because we've talked about some crap that didn't even bump the needle on the... on. I will watch a lot of crap. Yeah. I admit, you know, I'm pretty... I may not like the movie, but I'm pretty easygoing nowadays watching films. But this was just... <laughs> was, was this like an all-foxy granddad... Um, a super cut of the lost yeah boys. yeah that would be like that you know um nothing but the oily sax man and the sexy grandpa <laughs> uh, yeah oh, good times maybe if you put sexy grandpa in rock and roll nightmare <laughs> it might be that bad i'm gonna have to check and see if my computer is capable of doing this kind of editing yeah <laughs> Because I can make some movies. That would yeah. be great. Yeah, the old grandpa cut of The Lost Boys. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I think well, I would have to I would have to put the 
the oily sax man in it. But this uh, director did a. I think his first film was a straight up horror movie called Murder Party. I think. Now I read that, and I I've don't know anything about yet, Murder Party. I, I want to check that out now. I'll look into it. See if it's... I read it was like a forty-eight hour film. Like you have forty-eight hours to make it. Okay. And it's a short, <laughs> and it's kind of this. <laughs> so this was his attempt to make it it's better. Not, not on your Netflix list. No. Okay. No. Not watching for that one. <clears throat> Julian, would you recommend it? Yes. All right. I would as well. And, uh, and of course, I would hope nobody listening to this, um, well, I would hope nobody wanting to see it has already listened to this and had it all ruined for them. And, you know, the, the stuff that we don't like about it individually or as a group, I don't think is enough to ruin, you know, somebody's enjoyment of it. It's uh, already a turd. <laughs> <laughs> it can't get worse. Uh, My little bit of bile mixed on top isn't going to ruin this <laughs> film for anyone. Well, what I mean is I, I wouldn't want somebody to be, you know, waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'd rather yeah. they just look for their own shoes to drop. You know what I mean? Um, no, but I do recommend it. I think it, I think it's a it's it's definitely one of those films that it's it, it's got a lot to do with the look of it and the mood of it and maybe uh yeah maybe a few things could have been written better um nothing wrong with the acting the acting was all pretty convincing the acting was good yeah. i'll give them that yeah i would say um you know sometimes what the characters have been written to do or say is is the stuff that i have more of an issue with but yeah overall like you know these these punks in this band were inept and like Jolien pointed out, they're not super original or creative or anything. So for them to be inept at like fighting their way out of of a isolated uh, encampment of Nazis is not too surprising. So um, did we talk about what we might watch next? Did we mm-hmm. throw any ideas out yet? Blair Witch 2, Book of Shadows. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's what we want to do. You're just going to quit the podcast on this. <laughs> Blair Witch 2, Book of Shadows. We're just going to put a couple of crickets in front of your microphone. <laughs> Will couldn't uh, make it this week. I'll watch Blair Witch 2, Book of Shadows. Okay, you said it three times like fucking Beetlejuice <laughs> or Candyman. <laughs> Just so I can compare it to Rob Zombie's Blair Witch 2, Book of Shadows, <laughs> Secret of the Use. <laughs> Julian, do you have a, um, a favorite uh, movie to mention when people say, oh, something about a terrible sequel? Do you have like a favorite terrible sequel that you hate? Terrible sequel? <sighs> Man. And I want to say there's a lot of this weird fan love for halloween three now like people I are like, like oh one. it's actually underrated i like that one um i'd have to rewatch it but i don't remember maybe i was pissed off because michael myers was gone. i think that's that affects a lot of that but if you watch it without that thought now, halloween five yeah halloween five or halloween six it's four that we want right four is okay okay that's the return of michael myers yeah do they call that one return of michael myers is, I don't is five the curse of Michael Myers? Yes, I think so. Uh, I can't remember. Hmm. Well, in any event, um, for the longest time, that was my uh, I hate that sequel. It 
piss me off, you know. Mm. But yeah, I was I was wanting more Michael Myers back then. So yeah, maybe yeah, because I I remember the same thing. I watched that I don't know whenever it came out on videotape, and I remember me and my friend were like, "This is stupid. Where's Michael Myers?" <laughs> uh, and uh, then I watched it. I think you mentioned it at the art supply store offhand somehow and i went home and watched it and i ended up liking it more than i remember and mm. i think a lot of that was because i kept waiting for michael myers to show up yeah but he wasn't going to be in there okay once you know he's not going to show up yeah once you know he's not going to show up and just kind of erase it's mm-hmm. it's just a spooky movie called halloween right yeah okay it it worked a lot better i found yeah i enjoyed that one a lot yeah i know my favorite one that a lot of people hate that I really enjoy is Jason X and that's Jason in space. Yeah. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> it's just fun. Um, and Cronenberg has a bit part in it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He turns up a star in the modern day. Yeah. He's one of the doctors or scientists mm-hmm. or something. I stopped when Jason took Manhattan. I tapped out. That was, was like, I'm done. Bad. Never watched that's it. That's it. I'm never watching another Friday the 13th again. I've yeah. never watched it. Uh, run it into the part ground. Five was disappointing. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about Friday Thirteenth. I mean, your your bar is not set high. <laughs> no, they're pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, it's like having a taste test of of a, a bunch of canned beers that you already don't really worry about or think about too much. Mm-hmm. It's like, are you just going to be a connoisseur of bad beers, or do you want to just find a a good beer and drink it yeah uh my cousin and i watched a marathon of the eight friday the 13th that were out at the time and and you made it through the five nightmare on elm streets or whatever that were out at the time yep and you made it through yeah you would doze off and it would get real goofy at times (laughs) (laughs) uh we talked about it before but american wool from paris is just dire oh that is horrible Except for, That's a bad sequel. Yeah. <clears throat> American Wheel from London, there's this like new edition coming out on Blu-ray. Oh, really? Which sounds really good. Hmm. Well, maybe totally we... Totally remastered American Werewolf in Paris yeah. on Blu-ray. <laughs> so, 4K. So, so should we do a least favorite sequels and just promise to rewatch a least favorite sequel and we'll come back and talk about those? sure i'll do it i have no qualms i'll watch blair witch to book Book of of shadows Shadows. (laughs) okay i'm not uh, you're not gonna watch i don't have it um you're not gonna i'm not really bothered okay i watched a bit of it and it just it was just so bland yeah there wasn't much it was really bad i'd watch it they were dracula 2000 no that's not really a sequel that's just a bad movie (laughs) Um, yeah, that's just the 2000th entry. <laughs> right. I'm trying to think of what is an, another good one to throw out there. But, um, yeah, worst sequel ever. Don't know. Green Room 2? Um, yeah, people could suggest things. <laughs> Book of Shadows? I wanted to, because, uh, like, uh, we did uh, Them's last time. Them's, yeah. Yep. Them and, aunts and uh, them the, kids. The French one, um that was suggested by Gaspar. Yes. So I'd like to hear from him what he thinks of it. Oh, that'd be good, yes. Because I don't think any of us were particularly keen on it, so I feel kind of bad. Well, that's and okay. May, and if you liked it, I'd like to 
Well, he didn't yeah. write it as far as I no, know. But he recommended it, so he likes <laughs> well, it enough to right. put it forward. Maybe. My friend recommended Rock and Roll Nightmare. We're no longer friends, but... Uh, <laughs> this is the this is the guy who created Mr. Flingpoo. Yes. So he has a different aesthetic. Yes, definitely. <laughs> he, he suggested it to hurt us. Yeah, um, I would say as far as horror movies and worst sequel ever, we'll, we'll just have to uh, maybe think about this some more with the air conditioner on. But we were kind enough to leave it off during this, and it's getting warm in here, so we should, we should call it a show. Okay. Okay, well, listeners, thank you for listening. You know that you can find us on whatever you know podcast catcher that you found this on, but we're now on um, Stitcher as well as iTunes and SoundCloud. You can help us out by giving us a positive review and... Um, and a high rating and um, subscribe to the show. So if you can do those things, one or more of those things, that helps other people find us. It helps people in foreign countries listen to us. Strangely, somehow that keeps happening. <laughs> we don't play in the States. We love you, Brazil. <laughs> we love you, Slovenia. <laughs> America just doesn't get us. Actually, most of our listens are in America. Yeah, but... I know. <laughs> But not in the kind of numbers they should be for how many Brazilians are listening to us. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, let us let us know what you think. Find us on Facebook and you know tell us stuff like Gaspar did. And uh, anything else before we get out of here? Mm-mm. All right. Well. Book of shadows. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening, and stay off the moors. Thank you.